I'm going to talk like this into the microphone so you can't use it in the podcast. Hey, Zach. Hey, Sirtis. So last episode, we had a long drawn out conversation in which I called you a lot of very mean names. Uh, so you decided to cut it out. Uh, <laughs> Uh, you called me one mean name, and it was entirely deserved. In any case, I still think it was an important <laughs> conversation that we had. Um, I'm going to do my best to not call you any mean names this time. But we talked about uh, incentives, and you were talking about how in the past you've used, um, like you used getting a keyboard to incentivize you to get better at typing, um, that once you got your typing speed up to a particular marker, you let yourself buy this keyboard. But that doesn't work as well for longer term things. Like if you were trying to constantly improve your typing speed, it wouldn't work to buy a new keyboard every single month. Right. So have you thought more about that? So I think my solution is to have what they call in the business, what they call an accountability buddy. So I I think an accountability buddy is a good way to, to do it. I'm trying to remember what it is, because your description of it made it sound pretty simple. Um, And like, it's just, you know, a good, like, human interaction that you've got. Oh, but there was a way to take the notion of accountability buddy and make it less of a good, nice human interaction, and instead pay someone to be your accountability buddy online. (laughs) I can't find it anymore. If I wanted some stranger to, like, be upset with me, uh huh. If I didn't like fall asleep, then like I could just make a robot do that. I could make the water <laughs> dumping robot. Did that get ca- did that get kept? I'm pretty sure it did. I think so. Like I could make the robot, mm-hmm. but that's not what I wanted. What I wanted was to have to say to someone's face, "I didn't floss because I'm lazy," which is a it's a negative experience for sure. Mm-hmm. Negative to the degree that. It might actually get me to do it. Okay. And we'll find out, I guess. Yeah. So far, so good. (laughs) All right. Still buying a new bed. Cool. Was that the plan? (laughs) I don't even remember. Yeah, it was like, hey, if you can fall asleep, you can get a new bed. But that's not... What if the reason that you can't fall asleep is because you have an old bed? It's not. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Did you ever, now that it's the summertime and you have you know, less concern for your sleep schedule. Did you ever experiment with the, um, does having your phone near the bed influence your ability to sleep? It's been summer for like two days. So no, I have not experimented yet. All right. Wait, what, what, what was the phone thing? I forget. It was either that it made it, you were more reluctant to get up in the morning or you more reluctant to go to sleep at night when your phone charged near your head while you were laying in bed. As opposed to now, where it is presumably on the other side of the room. Interesting. I don't... Hmm. I'm pretty sure it was getting out of bed. Okay. I don't remember the, the reason we thought, oh, it might be a good idea to put it back where I was sleeping. Experimentation. To test the hypothesis. Was it, just, it was just science. Okay. It was just to test the <laughs> hypothesis, yeah. <laughs> All right, yeah. We can do some experiments. Speaking of experiments, one thing that 
scientific experiments lead towards a lot of time is innovation. You do a big experiment, you have a big breakthrough, and now you have some new polymer you can use or whatever. So on that note, I don't think Google is experimenting anymore. And as such, I don't feel like Google is innovating anymore. And that's fine, I guess? The, the very brief version, so Google I.O. just happened, Google I.O. 2019. We have talked about it for the last three years as it, as it goes on. And I think my excitement has just gone down and down and down. This time, um, they announced new phones that are just like the old phones, except they do have a headphone jack. They announced a new version of their Nest Hub, but this time it's got a camera, but the camera has a hardware switch to turn it off. Mm. And also, they broke all of the Nest APIs. Great. Innovation. And those are, those are the big things that Google did. Also, uh, there's something about Assistant in the car, which I swear was already a thing. There's a focus mode for your phone, which I'm pretty sure was already a thing. I just, I feel like a lot of times they would have incremental bumps and then they would also say, and also, we invented Chromebooks. Right, yes. Here is the entire notion of Chromebooks. Or here is the Google Home Hub. And, like, it's this cool new way of interacting with the Google services. Like, it's, it's there, it's a standard screen, but it just knows, like, it has more awareness of where it's in, and it knows, oh, you want it to be, to say the temperature, or whatever the thing is. Um, and there was none of that this year at Google I.O. They didn't even talk about their watch operating system, and I'm not surprised, I'm just disappointed. <laughs> And that's my synopsis of Google I.O. I'm not surprised, just disappointed. (laughs) (laughs) So you said at the beginning that that's fine. What do you mean by that? (sighs) That's fine as in at some point it's no longer their job to always be innovating. Okay. Because they are the dominant force in basically everything they're in right now. Right. Because they tend to be good at that kind of thing. Right. So wouldn't, like, wouldn't it make sense for them to like slowly expand into other things? Yeah, and they did for a long time. But then they just kept getting hung up on messaging. They couldn't do it. And yeah. they just decided to throw in the towel on everything. <laughs> yeah, actually, that's what it is. It's that there's just so many messaging apps right now. They keep on hiring new people, and the messaging apps teams just keep coming out from the woodwork and stealing the new people that got hired in to just go work on the messaging apps. And so nobody can do any more innovation because everyone's spare time, every 20% project at this point, is just a new messaging app. (laughs) I like the idea that there are hundreds and hundreds of messaging (laughs) apps in the works at Google. I would not be surprised. So what does that mean for you and me? I don't know. I've, I've been trying to fit this into my larger picture of technology right now. And I feel like it's in line with basically everyone else. What do you mean? I can't think of a really big innovation in many markets, like technologically, in the last year. Hmm. From the companies that we know about, at least. That, like, probably the last big thing to come out 
of one of the big tech companies was the iPhone 10. Okay. I mean, I would argue foldable phones are like the hot new thing right now. I suppose. I forgot they exist. That's one of the other new things they announced is that Google's new operating system is compatible with foldable phones. Hmm. Okay. So I'm like really bought in on the Apple ecosystem Mm -hmm. to the point where like Google is supplying like basically only peripheries to me. So like Google Docs, right? the search engine, Mm -hmm. which is like two really good things really like main technologies the the um it would be a difficult adjustment if i had to like suddenly go without them right but i could definitely do it yeah with like only time cost yeah and just the cost of learning how a new thing works right it's possible because i don't have any like google hardware that that's Mm -hmm. not the case for like apple because I have my MacBook and an iPad and an iPhone and an Apple Watch and like all the services. I guess what I'm getting at is like Google doesn't mean a whole lot to me in like a innovation sense. They never like when Google announced something innovative, mm-hmm. quote unquote, at Google I.O., I was always like, OK, yeah, that's cool. Yeah. Uh, where like if Apple announces something cool at one of their conferences, I go, ooh, I want that. That's going to be in my house soon. Hmm. I think I follow you, but I'm not sure where you're going to. My, uh, where I was going was like, Google not innovating anymore. Okay. Yeah. It's, it's whatever. I understand mm-hmm. the feeling. And I think you feel it a little bit more strongly th- because you have some Google hardware yeah. and use Google services more. But like, do you feel like Apple is still innovating? Talk to me after WWDC. I probably will, barring some very strange con- uh, circumstances. <laughs> I love my iPad, my iPad Pro. It's the big one. Mm-hmm. And I do feel like it is innovative in some way, only because they took a thing, which is not a new thing. A tablet is not a new thing. A tablet with a pen is not a new thing. A tablet mm-hmm. with a keyboard is not a new thing. And they took this thing that, like, if I looked at someone previous to 2018 and saw that they were using their stylus to take notes on a Surface or a Android tablet or even a previous iPad Pro... I'd look at them and go, how are you doing that? That is not a thing I can do. Okay. But now, I don't feel like that. Because this magic piece of glass Mm -hmm. has made me able to... I open up my laptop once every two weeks so that Zach can look at me through the FaceTime camera. Really? It is entirely a desktop machine. So in a way, yeah, I do think like innovation is happening... Because my life is changing because of this technology. Okay. And I don't know any better way to quantify innovation. Mm-hmm. No, I feel like that's a pretty good marker for it. Um, and in that vein, I really don't think like anything that Google's done in the last two years has had that much of an effect on my life. Mm-hmm. Even though I am bought into the, uh, all of their ecosystems, it, it doesn't feel like the things they do really matter 
like if Google, let's let's say like one of the, okay. So let me draw some parallels. A- Apple is expected to announce some new features of iOS 13 come WWDC. Okay, and there are some changes that are expected that will that have the potential to change how you use a iPad. Say mostly the details are not important okay what's but like there is a plan there there are rumors of a plan to change an aspect of the of the software right which i expect will have consequences on about on how i use the ipad okay do you feel like if google made significant changes to their platforms that it would have a significant effect on how you use the platforms hmm is this going to affect your life if they change things? Like if your phone got an update and suddenly something worked differently? Um, I can think of things that would, uh, like one, one of the things that I really like every time I pick up an iPhone, an iPhone, a iPhone, <laughs> every time I pick up iPhone, <laughs> <laughs> every time I pick up an iPhone XS Max, the... <laughs> Uh, is the longest name ever it's so bad is the the push touch that like you can push and it means something different than just a tap right and that doesn't i don't know if that's proprietary or like patented specifically but it's not something that exists on any android phone i've ever seen Mm -hmm. um if they made a usable wear os watch (laughs) that would be a big deal um so I can think of things like that, that Google adding that, even though those are already things, I suppose I wouldn't call them innovations necessarily because they already exist. Right. But you, like I was saying before, an innovation doesn't have to be like a groundbreaking technology. It just has to make your device, make you use your device. It has to change your usage of a device, I think, mm-hmm. or maybe not of a device, but like it has to change the way you use technology because like again keyboard tablet with a pencil is not a new thing but a super good one is to me i think Uh uh-huh but it's not even like if they updated wear os or came out with a wear os watch it wouldn't be like it's the first good digital watch or smartwatch right whereas it sounds like what you're saying is that Apple was the first one to make a really good usable tablet and pen combo. Well, maybe that's true. Maybe that's not. Uh, but it's the first one that I that was able to sell itself to me. Okay. I don't think I buy that as innovation. That's a good point. And I, but that's the thing, though. I don't know if that's if it's the first one or if it's just the first one to sell it yeah. to me. So, you know, email Zach. <laughs> I think for a long time, um, part of the way that Google made itself known was as a company that just kind of made things and tried them. Mm -hmm. And that put them in some bad spots. For example, when they killed Inbox a couple months ago, and a lot of people were very mad because they assumed that that was a product they could uh, continue to use. Right. And it wasn't. It just... That's just not how Google operates. Um, They make things and kill them indiscriminately. And so if Google not making things also means they don't kill things, Hmm. I guess that's good in some ways. But I also think it's bad because they're not pushing as many boundaries as they used to. 
wasn't the whole idea of Alphabet to like say, okay, Google, you can have your area and it's going to be good and it's going to be stable and it's going to be like for people who want to keep their products. <laughs> and then we're going to have like you, you, you random company that we happen to buy. Nest? Sure, Nest. But Nest isn't a good example of this. Because they just killed all of its APIs and subsumed it into the Google hardware division. Right. That's not what we want. And I don't, I don't know any, any other Alphabet companies off the top of my head. But that is what was promised. Right. The, the whole idea was like, we're going to have a bunch of little companies that are going to move fast and break things. Uh-huh. And Google is going to be this big lumbering thing that moves very slowly. And if something gets killed, it's because like two people are using it, not two million. Yeah. Was there numbers on the number of inbox users at the time they killed it? Probably not. Why would they give you fuel to say Google just killed a thing that a lot of people used? You're correct. So if you're Elizabeth Warren, you're probably yelling at your screen right now, trying to explain to us that, uh, that the reason that all of these tech companies, um, maybe Apple excluded because they're just a special magical unicorn, <laughs> um, the reason that all of these tech companies have um, stopped innovating is because the market has become anti-competitive. And if you're one of Elizabeth Warren's staffers, you're probably hoping that we're now going to open up the article that you wrote that I am now pulling up because I forgot to pull it up in advance because I am a professional. Quick question, Mo. Can you give me like a hint about what UW-Madison question mark was in milk? No, I don't. I don't have enough facts about it yet, so I'm not going to say anything. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I, I was tipped off by an anonymous source. That there might be something to look into, um, but I don't have. <laughs> okay. I don't have all of the information I'll, yet. I'm not going to push you for your sources. You've got to be a good journalist. Yeah, real journalism right here. <sighs> so Elizabeth Warren uh, is currently running for president and also a senator or a representative senator. Senator Elizabeth Warren sounds correct in my mouth. Um, and one of the big things that she talks about is, or that she has talked about is that there's way too much power in uh, like the top four tech companies. Um, the statistic that they cite is that more than 70% of all internet traffic goes through sites owned by either Google or Facebook. Um, that doesn't sound right. I, that might be like you Google for a thing and then you click on a link in Google and then you're at Twitter. But that was internet traffic that went through Google. If anything, it's Amazon. Yeah, everything is on Amazon. We'll get there. Okay. We'll get there. Um, Okay. (laughs) I also listened to a podcast um, from somebody who studied under Elizabeth Warren when she was a professor. And um, even back then, she was saying like, hey, uh, back back when we killed all of our anti-competitive law, we, we really screwed up like how capitalism is supposed to work and like capitalism maybe can work if you have good antitrust law um to to keep monopolies from happening because when monopolies happen then there's no such thing as free market it's just the monopoly anyway um elizabeth warren as part of her campaign is proposing a couple step process to break up some of the big tech companies because she thinks that they have too much power um 
mergers, as they say, have reduced consumers' ability to make conscious choices in support of one company or another. You can't be like, oh, I'm going to, Facebook's stealing all my private data. I'm going to go to Instagram because that's nothing. You're just doing a nothing thing right there. Um, Something that I care about a lot. They're big enough that they can bully cities into big handouts um, just for existing in their boundaries uh, with very few checks on their ability to do that. It, It makes sense. The, the natural thing to want to do once you have capital is to use that capital to give yourself the largest advantage possible. Um, but sometimes giving yourself that big advantage is bad for, like, the public, the, the country at large. Okay, I follow. So Warren plans on designating things uh, like platform utilities is the, the term that they use, um, which is anything that's a platform, a marketplace, or an exchange on the web. If they make... I think it's an uh, it's some weird arbitrary income. If they make more than $25 billion uh, per year, I think. Companies with greater than... What? what is the sentence? What did I write down? Okay. So if, if these companies, these platform utilities, make more than $25 billion per year, they would not be allowed to operate on that platform utility itself. So like Amazon as the big company would not be able to have Amazon Marketplace, which makes more than $25 billion per year, um, and also have Amazon Basics, which tries to sell on Amazon Marketplace. And the argument is that that's non, not, it's not competitive because, um, because Amazon could be boosting their own rankings in that platform. Right. So, Zach. Yeah. And that example specifically, I agree with you on in general. Uh-huh. But in that specific instance, I much prefer Amazon Basics to literally any other cord maker. Right. Because every other cord maker sucks. Perhaps because they're going out of business because of Amazon Basics. Mm-hmm. But damn. Like, I don't trust any other <laughs> cord maker because they f- flake out in like two minutes. Yeah. No, I agree with you. But part of that is that Amazon has so much weight that it can carry around that it can make negative profit on cords just so you trust amazon more i'm not saying that's what happens but that is a possibility right it, it could be if you were a smaller company um so if you're below that 25 billion dollar marker um you'd have to follow fairness rules which are arbitrarily defined um because this isn't like an actual bill that she's proposing, it's just kind of a general outline of here's what I would want to do. Um, also, there would be vines for violating the laws that would be based on yearly revenue and not on like the weird slap on a wrist things like Facebook just, I don't remember what it was. They had to pay like a $5 billion fine. And the day that they were like, oh, it's a $5 billion fine, their stocks went up so that Facebook was now valued at $30 billion more than it was before they paid that fine. <laughs> Uh, facebook why you're so terrible um warren also plans to devote more resources to undoing some of the most demonstrably anti-competitive mergers um like facebook and instagram is a really big one that a lot of people talk about when they talk about anti-competitive mergers um part of the issue with that and part of the reason that we haven't pursued it like the ftc hasn't pursued it is because At some point, someone decided that something is only anti-competitive if it makes the price that the user is seeing increase. Uh, What? Yeah. Over what time period? Because, like, inflation's a thing, too. 
I'm not sure the exact specifics of it. Because then you could just wait, 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 jack up the price. Precisely. That's so dumb. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's also real dumb because when you're using Facebook, you don't see a price. Well, yeah, there's also that. <laughs> but there are still there are still other things to consider, for example, that I want to have privacy. Um, but if Facebook buys out every single platform I could ever post any con- any thought on, um, there there's no notion of privacy. And I can't protest one by going to another. And even if Facebook didn't, just the, the network effects and the fact that it's a closed ecosystem that you can't really interface your thing with Facebook's thing means that... Um, it's it's at this point basically anti-competitive, even though there are other social media bits. So, come to the indie web. Yeah, because that's real easy and real approachable. As we've said in our previous podcasts. <laughs> that's one of my summer things to do. Mine too. Um, and then I read a New York Times article. I've been trying to read like the original source and then also somebody complaining about that thing. Um, this one said that it's an interesting idea but uh, some parts of it are too broad and some parts of it are, some parts of it are too narrow. For example, um, AWS, which is a large part of the profitabil- profitability of Amazon as a whole, um, but they also provide this weird platform of AWS and compete on it in that they have a bunch of web companies that compete against the other things on there. I'm thinking like Amazon Video right. is going to compete with Netflix. And if the cost of hosting Amazon Video is lower than the cost of hosting Netflix, that might fall under that difference in, um, difference in price from a platform utility. That it's trying to operate on this platform and also be the platform. Okay. The phrase they used, I really liked it, was essentially they're selling the picks and shovels of the digital gold rush that's a bad metaphor. Yeah, it is. It's a fun phrase, though. Yes, it is. <laughs> I, the, the, the issue with that, like, that's not bad in itself. Uh-huh. Like, selling picks and shovels is not necessarily a bad thing. Uh, time to go to our sponsor, Home Depot. Uh, but also selling... Uh, okay, where's the metaphor? No, I, I think that's part of the hard thing, is that there is not a metaphor. Okay, so... It's like, (laughs) okay, Amazon is giving you money for dirt, right? Let's just say, let's wait. They're giving me money. Yes. And in return, I I give them dirt. Yes. Okay. But Amazon also sells the, the shovels that are required to get the dirt. They're selling, they're giving your own money back to you. Minus some, if you are Netflix. I think that metaphor might also have some problems with it i agree mostly in that i can't follow it (laughs) (laughs) i think it's incorrect now that i listen perfect metaphors don't exist because if they were perfect they would not be metaphors Mm -hmm. a perfect map of the world is just a one-to-one scale model exactly so obviously my metaphor is good enough so the best metaphor is just to explain the entire process in excruciating detail. Exactly. <laughs> I, I think it, it's cool. I'm generally for antitrust. We can talk about that more in a minute. Um, 
but also this is just like the general shape of one thing that they hope to do in the future. Um, it's not like a real policy, and I think it's pointed in the right direction. I think I listened to a Planet Money about the current state of antitrust, mm-hmm. but then something happened with the NPR feed, all the NPR feeds. Oh, yeah. And then I deleted Planet Money because I was annoyed. So I don't think I heard the follow up to it, if there is any. I am really interested in antitrust and like the history of it. That's <sighs> okay. So another thing on this whole train that we're on is that the Facebook co-founder also wants to break up the big tech companies, specifically Facebook. Um, it's nothing new. It's a lot of things that other people have already said. It's like, hey, Facebook's too big. They have too much power. It's entirely unchecked because Mark Zuckerberg has 60% of the voting shares. Um, he like literally controls the entire notion of discourse. And it's really comfortable to think that he's an altruistic guy and he's going to make all the right choices. But if there's no checks on his power, that's super un-American because like the whole, the whole thing with American government is that no one person can have all of that power. Listen. The less I have to tr- trust Mark Zuckerberg, the happier I'll be. Precisely. Um, so it's also kind of ludicrous to do the Mark Zuckerberg idea of like, oh, well, what if there's just a, a government thing that we can default to if we want to? And we can be like, hey, government, can you take care of getting rid of all the child pornography on our site? Um, but also it's not like obligatory. It's just like if we want to um, is still putting all of the power in the hands of Mark Zuckerberg. So anyway, it's it's a good thing that this guy who used to work at Facebook and has now sold all of his shares is like, hey, Facebook is a bad thing for people, and it's bad to just trust, put that much trust in any one person. Um, but as I said, I've been trying to also read criticisms of each article that I read, and this one, the criticism was like, everyone has been saying this, and it's just that this one guy got a platform because it's really fun to see people say, I used to work at this place, and now I think that it's dumb. Yes. But it does say a little, at least a little bit about like how bad this is, because this guy was probably making money hand over fist Mm -hmm. and was like, oh, crap, this is not good. This is a bad thing. Real bad thing. So I just, I don't, I think very few people are left who can't see what Facebook is doing is wrong. Mm hmm. There are a few people who won't, and there are a lot of people who are incentivized not to. Right. Because they use Facebook, mostly. Mm-hmm. And because there isn't a viable alternative. Right. And I, I don't... I'm going to tell you a secret, Zach. I have been wanting to get back on Instagram mm-hmm. and YouTube and stuff. Wait, you're off YouTube? I mean, I'm not posting anything. Okay, yeah. I've been wanting to do that kind of thing again. Because it's fun, and it's a lot different than having, like, person-to-person contact. Right. This is, like, that, the, the whole, like, oh, just, like, spend time with your friends. That's not an alternative to Facebook or Instagram. Have you considered zines? I don't know what that is, so no. Oh, it's, like, magazines, but indie-published? And so you just, like, make and bind your own little magazine about a topic. That's not the same thing either. I've been thinking about them a lot. I'm not sure if I'm pro or against pro. What's the other thing? Anti. Anti, yes. I'm not sure if I'm pro or anti-zine yet. Um, 
It sounds stupid on the face of it. Anyway. Right. I have not thought about this at all. Okay. This is a hot take. It's an extremely hot take. (laughs) Based on one very uh, ineffective description. Okay, so getting back on YouTube and Instagram, because you want to have a, a huge following and an audience and... Well, no, I... An army of teens <laughs> at your <laughs> I want my audience to kill for me. Uh, what I was going to say <laughs> was that I've been wanting to do that because it's a, it's a very different experience than, like, spending time with friends. Mm-hmm. It's not a replacement for that. I mean, it could be, I suppose. But, like, they are not alternatives to the other. It is a different experience, an experience experience that I miss. I miss, like, taking a photo and, like, editing it and, like, getting, making it look nice, making it look artful, Mm -hmm. putting it up on Instagram and seeing the likes flow in. Right. And, like, I could do that on my blog. Mm -hmm. I could also, like, make a vlog. And put it on my blog. I'll call it a vlog. Wow. Thanks. Is that is that short for video vlog? <laughs> or vlog blog? No, it's short for vlog blog. Okay. <laughs> but that's not a good alternative for everyone. Nor is it really even a good alternative for me. Because my friend, like my, the people I would be like actually wanting to see this uh-huh. i would have to direct them to my vlo- my 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 vlog blog mm-hmm. and that's not like that's not the experience i want them to have about it. this isn't like a okay everyone we're gonna sit down and watch my video now right okay so you what about a mailing list hmm you put your stuff up on your vlog blog and then you email it out Hmm, okay. And I can see my real friends are because they don't unsubscribe immediately. Right. When I spam them. I mean, hopefully you would only be making at most one vlog per day. (laughs) Probably less because you're in college. (laughs) That's actually a really good idea. I never thought of a mailing list. I was going to try to set my friends up with RSS apps. I mean, yeah, that's, that's the ideal. But like if I can... Yeah, but, like, if I don't, if it just appears in their email, uh-huh. I mean, it's email, but it's, it's better than nothing. Yeah. So you make the email list, and then every email says, hate email? Try RSS. And then a link to, mm-hmm. um, this is, this is going to be a little bit more work, but you're already talking about making one app. What if you just made an RSS reader also? An RSS reader that, reader that only reads the Sardis Stone website. Ooh. Mm-hmm. I think that's just called the Serta Stone website. <laughs> <laughs> Web apps are apps too. Yeah. Web apps are apps too. Yeah. So you need to... Oh, God. That would be miserable to implement. You, <laughs> you build a web page, and all that the web page does is it loads in your RSS feed, and then it dynamically creates the entire web page in javascript on the client from the rss feed right or just like add it to the home screen like a shortcut a bookmark of your blog yeah of my vlog blog your vlog blog uh the only thing i 
Notifications. I, I should just build the Serta Stone app. I should really just do that. It'd be fun. Sure. <laughs> I think it's a bad idea. I'd rather just have a website. Uh, I mean, you can, yeah, you like, can do web notifications, too. You can set up a website to do push notifications. Does that work on phones? Yeah. Everyone's instinct is to hit the no button, so you would need to pop it up a second time after you've made the case for it. <laughs> but push notifications from a website are definitely doable. I know because at some point I accidentally clicked the yes button to get Reddit push notifications, um, and it took me a while to actually get around to turning those off. The other thing that I miss about Instagram is actually seeing everyone's posts. Which a mailing list will not help for. Hmm. Wait. Please tell me you just googled reverse mailing list. <laughs> no, you can, you can get RSS feeds of Instagram. Really? I mean, it's probably really hacky, but like, there's a website to do it. Ooh. All right, I'm gonna look into this and see if it's good. Okay. So wherever we went before that tangent, I think was that. There's a lot of a lot of things, a lot of forces have worked together to make it so that um, tech companies and like the tech sphere is not as competitive. Um, one of the other things that the Facebook article talked about is that uh, there's been a lot of money invested in social media recently, but basically none of it has been in social media startups, um, just because you can assume that whoever it is is going to get crushed by Facebook. It's not even a crushing thing. It's just a, like, it's an ant in boot situation where, like, mm -hmm. no one cares about your social media startup because we already have Facebook. Whatever you're going to do, Facebook is doing it better already. My social media startup is going to do privacy. But, Zach, someone has to care about that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Zach, do you remember Ask.fm? I think I heard of it. It was a social media. I'm pretty sure it's mostly dead now. I experienced it in high school. Mm -hmm. It was mostly bullying and harassment. Right. Yeah, that's what I heard of it. But like, haha, it's fun. Anyway, I remember it because for like a couple weeks, it was huge. It was bigger than Facebook. It was at our high school. Mm -hmm. It was not maybe not more people had it than facebook but more people were using it more consistently more people were talking about it yeah it was new and exciting yeah and then they got bored right because it was a, it had a limited scope we'll say yeah and that's what i imagine will happen with any social media startup because it's if it has a new and cool idea people will get bored of it and if it's like just facebook mm -hmm. facebook is already facebook Mm -hmm. Google Plus already tried that. They tried being Facebook, but not Facebook, and it didn't go well. I, I still really like the circle way of thinking. It made less sense to me in high school when I only had the one group of friends. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, it, it was definitely a good idea and definitely not well implemented and definitely could never compete with Facebook, and, but we didn't know it that at the time. And like the switching costs of like, the big thing, Zach. Okay, let's let's talk about one thing though. Okay, two social social medias that can coexist: Instagram and Facebook. They're owned by the same company, but they are different, mm -hmm. and they can coexist. 
Why can Facebook and Instagram coexist? Because you post different kinds of information to each. Right. One of the things that the article I read talked about, which is not feasible in any sort of way, but is really interesting as a concept, is regulating interoperability. Okay. Having the government come down and say, Facebook, all like, you're just a shim in front of this big database that everyone can access. And like, that would never work. No one would let that happen. No, no, no. That's a, that's a very bad idea. Or that all posts need to be available publicly, but then how do you handle privacy? You're like, I only want my friends to see this post. How do you do that? So anyway, come over to the indie web. We're not Facebook, um, but if you want, it can be kind of like Facebook with more emails. <laughs> more emails and like more work all the time. Yeah. And also you have to constantly pay for its upkeep and... Yeah. It's like, I think I'm a pretty, like, I'm, like, a pretty good, like, consumer of new technologies. Mm-hmm. Like, they don't scare me, and, like, I'm willing to put in a lot of effort to get, like, microblogs, say. Yeah. But this is hard. This is really hard. Micro, like, uh, the indie web stuff is really complicated and really, like... And if, like, I'm not saying that I'm like the defining thing that's going to like, mm-hmm. well, if I can't do it, then no one can. If Certus can get it, then it's clearly approachable. Right. And I'm not saying the opposite of that either. I'm not saying like, if I can get it, anyone can get it, or nor am I saying if I can't get it, no one can get it. But I, if I can't get it, definitely none of my friends will. Right. Not none of my friends. Like, the majority of everyone but like you shouldn't need a computer science degree to do social media. Absolutely. I agree 100%. And that's why I'm frustrated with the indie web. Thank you for listening to my TED talk. <laughs> but also you shouldn't need a computer science degree to have a viable alternative to the current reigning social media. Yes, these are the same statements. Not necessarily. Right. It doesn't have to be indie web specifically, but like, yeah, the indie web is the closest we have to a sustainable alternative to Facebook. Mm-hmm. So that's why I keep that's why we keep mentioning indie web, because it's a really cool thing. in like in theory, yeah, and in theory, everything could work and everything could be easy and it wouldn't be just emails. Mm-hmm. But it is it like really is. And like. In theory, there could be a wiki that made any sense at all. <laughs> I mean, the, the whole problem with wikis is you need people who know enough about the thing to write the wiki page. And also care about the approachability of the thing. Like, those are the two qualities you need. And currently, the indie web has either one or the other. It's got us who are like, dang, maybe that thing should be approachable. And then it's got Tantec who, like, wrote the freaking spec. Um but is writing the like review of the spec for other people at Tantec level. And we're not incompetent. I just like to keep pointing that out. We right. are not like... I hope not. <sighs> we should be able to understand this. Not, and, not, and that's not a personal failing. That's a failing on the part of the indie web. Right. And 
Facebook shouldn't take advantage of people, but it makes a lot of profitability sense for them to take advantage of people. So, like, what are you going to do? They're corporations. They're going to corporate. I mean, you put checks on them. Yeah, that's what you do. You you make laws that they need to have seatbelts and or uh, <laughs> passwords that anyone looking at their database couldn't recognize. <laughs> the dog agrees. Do you hear them? No. Dang. So anyway, I think the reason that Google isn't innovating anymore is because the entire market has gotten anti-competitive. Um, use the indie web because it's the only place where any innovation ever happens. Um, and <laughs> things happen so fast on the indie web. <laughs> vote for Elizabeth Warren in 2020. I'm going to start my social media campaign on the indie web to get Elizabeth Warren elected. Right. Great plan. That, that will sway a whole dozen people. <laughs> And now, a PSA from the Worrying Bugs. If you can't disassociate naturally, store-bought is fine. This has been a PSA from the Worrying Bugs. This is funny. Thank you. Sometimes you ask me to elaborate on the PSAs, and I was worried that would happen this time because I didn't have an answer. It's just a thing I saw on the internet. It's funny. Yeah. Speaking of things I don't have an answer for, uh, how's your semesterly theme going? <laughs> it's exactly the same as last time. I just wanted to mention it because the, sem- the semester is winding down. I'm actually done. Zach is just about done. Finals don't count. Like, every, every rhythm you've ever constructed falls apart during finals anyway, so it's... It's That's a good point. Basically, the semesterly theme is over at this point. I think I mentioned last time we talked about it, uh, mine was over three weeks into it, so... Yeah, and then it... So we're going to cut that out. You're right. Because Zach is going to, like... Opsec. Stop trying to out me, Zach. Sorry. <laughs> so... I I forget. Are we going to try to do a semesterly theme for next for the summer? Not for the summer. For the summer we're going to try trials. Okay. The semesterly theme for the summer is trials. The summer of trials. <laughs> I guess it's the summer of trials. I guess. I like it. It's not, it's a nice ring to it. Summer of trials. That sounds like we're going to go to like American Ninja Warrior. Try to climb walls and stuff. If that's one of the trials, yeah, we're going to do that, Zach. We're going to try. I suppose. Better start get preparing now. You don't, you don't know what the trials are going to be. I know what one of them probably will be. It's been sitting in the document for like a month. Sleeping is hard, Zach. Yeah, I agree. It's finals, my dude. <sighs> okay, so semester, the summer of trials starts now. Bum, bum. That was, uh, nope, that, that was, uh, SVU. Uh, we'll do, like, trumpets or something. Yeah. If you have trials that you want us to try trialing. Actually, yeah. If you, shoot, I actually want this now. Yeah, okay. So, I actually want them, I want to give them a place to send them to. Oh, they can comment on your microblog. (laughs) 
they can't because it's real confusing uh what about contact at certistone.com yeah yeah that's a public email address email address so yeah go to the contact form on my website certistone.com um uh, i will if you spam me i will block you from the podcast right i will hunt you down your ip address i will block entire vpns i do not care (laughs) so if you have trial ideas maybe i should get a p.o box and we can do this hello internet style okay which is like postcards and stuff that'd be fun or do we have do we have any email accounts for super awesome corp Mm, let me look because it could be trials at super awesome corp that's a good idea where do you want that to forward to uh can you do multi-forward or does it not work like that i have no idea all right uh if you just forward it to (laughs) that works whichever your your one is okay yes we have one mail forward to use cool so trials trials at superawesomecorp.com will be forwarded to okay so we should probably reintroduce what the concept of trials is if we want people to send them to us all right go for it so the whole idea of a trial uh, inspired kind of by matt cutts 30 day um 30 day challenges for himself is just to do a thing consistently um for some quantity of time uh measured in two week increments that's all i'm going to commit to right now and if you have an idea for such a trial it could be anything it could be uh like it could be something more like matt cuts's 30-day challenges or it could be something kind of crazy uh probably not too hard otherwise we won't pick it probably not too easy otherwise it won't be interesting so like use your best judgment i guess and if you have ideas for them you can send them to uh trials at superawesomecorp.com or you can reach out to me on twitter i'm at the-